I want to go to John 14 this morning. We've been walking through the book of John in recent weeks, and last week we were looking at the Last Supper portion, and this is a continuation of that. There's several chapters in this book um, dealing with that time. And I, I find it astounding that the guys, the disciples as a whole, didn't understand the importance of the moment. And so they were, they were asking things and arguing in ways that just should not have happened in that moment, at least... That's the way you think of it. I mean, they're arguing about who's the greatest. Jesus is washing their feet, setting a different example. Um, They have really no understanding that within a couple hours, uh, Jesus is going to be taken into custody. He's going to be beaten and scourged and then put to death. And they're all going to be scattered. And so the severity of that moment is just not in their thinking. And as I, as I look at that, um, Jesus lays down some of the core principles of what we believe even in that meal. And what this 14th chapter is kind of dealing with that. It's like direction setting. I call this GPS because it, it's, um, it was mentioned this morning, getting to locations. We just rely on that now, right? Uh, <laughs> Years ago, Shar and I used these atlases and maps, and, and we had our best discussions ever over those things. And I don't have to, I have to walk this edge even carefully now, or we can get into it in public, because we still have strong feelings as to how that should have gone, <laughs> and didn't. Um, and even in the early days of GPS, one time... We were coming back from northern Wisconsin, visiting my brother, and we're following the maps. Uh, somehow it got onto a trail, GPS thing, or a walking. We were miles on this two-lane. <laughs> not sure. Eventually got out on the other side, and it worked, but uh, definitely not where you would normally drive. But that said, there is kind of a similar thing where Jesus is laying down some basics that we're to understand. And even as he's having this last supper with them, some things come up that say, these guys don't really get it yet. They haven't experienced the resurrection, and they haven't experienced the day of Pentecost with um, the Holy Spirit. And so there are still some gaps that later on they're going to put things together. So... As this chapter starts out, it says, don't be distressed. You believe in God, believe also in me. And in some ways, that's still one of those decision points for a lot of people. It's like, okay, I believe in God. Jesus, well, you know, not sure. And yet, Jesus is making this declaration, you believe in God, believe also in me. So he's, he's, he is closing that gap, so to speak, and saying, this isn't just a God belief thing, but it's embracing who the person of Jesus is. 
That's part of our faith together. So he says, there's many dwelling places where my father's in my father's house, and I'm going, you know, I'm telling you about this so you have a place to go. And I'm making that place for you. And he's talking in the internal perspective. We get that. But they didn't. He's, he's saying, we're developing this eternal home that you're going to be with us forever. And the disciples, you know, they respond back. Thomas is going, uh, yeah, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? You know, you say you're going to build a house for us, and, and Thomas is still thinking in the physical for sure. And so he's going, yeah, you're making a house. Where is that going to happen? You know, you're going away. Well, where are you going to? So even though they're in this last meal together, they, it still hasn't locked in in their thinking that Jesus is talking something significantly different than anyone's ever experienced. And, and so, and he's talking in a power and authority about his life that even though they've seen the miraculous and even though they've, um, you know, saw his declarations and heard his teaching, they still haven't really figured this is the Son of God. This truly is deity. So Jesus makes his declaration, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And, and that's one of our first verses to memorize, right? We say, yeah, Jesus is the direction setter. He is truth. This is, this is truth for eternity. This is how the how God of the ages, who created all things, sustains all things, his plan was to send his son to live among us, God in the flesh, so that our lives wouldn't be condemned, but rather we would be at peace with God and be able to spend eternity with him. So he's laying down this core teaching and this basic understanding, even though it's their last meal before the crucifixion. If you've known me, you will know my father too. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So he's making this declaration, I am God in the flesh. Philip goes, well, just show us the father. So, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, you're a good guy, Jesus. We want to see God. You know, you, you have been amazing here. You, you, you're incredible. We want to see God. And Jesus goes, I've been with you a long time. You're still not getting this. If you've seen me, you've also seen the Father. So he is, he is still making that declaration, I am God. Then he goes, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. I do not speak of my own initiative. The Father residing in me performs his miraculous deeds. So he's going, I'm not living a separate life here. 
I'm not living one as a teacher. I'm not living one as just a prophet. I'm not just human. He says, God is dwelling in me. The Father's dwelling in me, and I in him, and I'm doing exactly what he's asking of me. So when you look at me, you're looking at the Father here on earth. It's a, again, we get caught up in the terms, but Jesus is making this declaration of deity that he was more than human through all of this. But it's intriguing to me. He says, at minimum, can't you believe the miraculous? <laughs> You've seen all this stuff going on. Don't you get why or how? Then he takes it a little further. He says, I tell you the truth, the person who believes in me will perform the miraculous deeds that I'm doing and will perform greater deeds than these. I do whatever you ask in my name so the Father may be glorified. These are sobering verses for me because it's like, okay, I believe that God works through my life, but to regularly see that kind of influence, it's not there. And yet, it's being thrown out as possible. And so there's a certain chase in our lives that says, yeah, I want this to be a part of me. But he's also laying out how it happens. Jesus is going, I'm not just choosing to run here and there and do stuff. He says, I'm doing things as the Father speaks to me. And so in looking at that, it's not just a, oh, if I do this, I can have the power. But rather, it's this idea that as I draw close to God and as I am residing in him and he in me, then the acts of the Spirit will be poured out of my life. They will flow outward from that because I'm doing what he's asking me to do. I'm connected in a way that says this is the power of God. He makes this point, and he says, it is for the Father's glory that this takes place. And it's not about attaining personal glory, but it's bringing glory to God through the things that we do. It's that God might be honored. And so when we're looking at these details or these wonderful things and saying, I want to live with the presence of God over my life, and I want to be demonstrating what God wants demonstrated, it's that he may be honored through that. It's not about trying to get in a place of recognition or, or um, you know, others saying, oh, that's somebody. But rather it's saying, the presence of God is over that life. And it's being demonstrated by what they do. He goes further in this. He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. So again, we don't escape this. If, if we're declaring a love for God, then we're also declaring an obedience to him. I was chewing on this some this week, how essential it is that we learn how to obey earthly parents so that we can also have in our mind how to obey 
our Heavenly Father. That it's essential to learn obedience in, in everyday relationships so that we can understand how to obey in an unseen relationship. That you don't get away without obedience in natural life and somehow just become obedient in the moment with God. So it's, it's crucial even in parenting to, to say this is a concept that my kids have to understand if they're going to walk forward in God. It's not an option. And yet, the beauty of this is that we recognize, too, that as we walk in obedience with God, the relationship is so rich, it's worth it. In the same way, our kids learn that we love them even though we're asking them to obey. It's, it's that blending. And Jesus is saying, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. He doesn't leave much room for, for wavering there. And he says, I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate. It will be with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world does not accept because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he resides with you and will be in you. So again, when we're talking God with us, even now we're talking about the spirit of God dwelling in our hearts and giving us instruction as to how to live and us needing to respond to that instruction in an obedient fashion. It's like when when you have this strong, strong impression that you're to go visit someone and talk to them about particular issues, and you're going, ah, not feeling it. And it eventually becomes an obedience thing. You're going to obey what you sense God is telling you, or are you going to just ignore it? And those, that tension, so to speak, is saying, in my love for God, I'm going to do something that doesn't feel good, but I know it's appropriate. And that's obedience. And invariably, God uses those things to bless our lives. But the tension in the moment says, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't even know if I want to try this. And yet Jesus is saying, there's a difference between those of the world that don't know the presence of God and those who live with God. And we need to learn to embrace that and walk in it. He goes on to say, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you in a little while longer. The world will not see me, but you will see me because I live and you will live too. So again, a beautiful declaration says, I do not leave you alone. There's a challenge in our lives at times of going, where's God? And yet he is making a declaration, I am with you. And there's that need to keep pressing and say, okay, I need to understand your voice in this moment. I need to know what your desires are. 
you will know at that time that I'm in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So there's a, there's a connecting, so to speak, that um, is powerful, connecting with God. The person who has my commands and obeys them is the one who loves me. So he's revisiting this again. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. So again, here's a, here's a promise You want God revealed to you? Obey what he asks of you. You want to understand his ways? Then follow through with what you know to do in him. He says, if if you truly are going to declare love for me, you're going to also declare an obedience unto me. And as we walk in that obedience, he has promised to reveal himself and not leave us alone. Well, one of them pipes up and says, "Um, what has happened that you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? So why do we get to participate and others don't? And Jesus says, "If if anyone loves me, he'll obey my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and take residence in him. So again, there's this declaration saying there's a difference between those that don't love God and those that do. Those that love God and walk in obedience to him have the privilege of his spirit living in them. And so again, that tension that we feel at times, you know, and saying, well, why, why not? Well, they haven't made this declaration of love to God and willingness to obey him. The person who does not love me does not obey my words. And the word you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So he lays it out and says, if you're walking in disobedience, that's also a declaration that God's not with you. If there's a refusal to follow what God has asked of you and walk in in him, and he in you, you know, that blending, if you have not accepted that and not embraced that, then then he says, you're not a part of it. So, (laughs) last supper, (laughs) and he's still dealing with core concepts. Pretty incredible, isn't it? You know, walking through this and just saying, okay, this is what my life has to be about. He says, I've spoken these things while staying with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, and the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything It will cause you to remember everything I said to you. So he said, okay, the Holy Spirit is going to teach you, and he's going to bring to mind the things that you need to remember. I I was looking for synonyms of um, the word advocate. And, uh, you know, it's such an easy search. By the way, Benny, thank you for... uh, Inspiring a Google search during service. No. (laughs) I'll have to ask him about that later. Advocate, a backer or a campaigner, a defender, a lawyer, a promoter, a proponent, a supporter, apostle, attorney, a champion, Counsel, exponent, expounder, pleader, proposal, speaker, spokesperson, upholder. 
all of those point to someone who's on our side, so to speak, working with us and for us, championing our cause. He says, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's the advocate that's been sent to work with you. Pretty incredible. Championing your cause. I like that thought. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give it as the world does. Do not let your hearts be distressed or lacking in courage. So even in this, you know, he's... (laughs) Everything's about to unravel in the temporary. And yet he's declaring peace. And he says, it's not what you think as far as the outward circumstances. It's not political stability. It's not financial stability. It's not, it's not everything exterior that we tend to associate or want in regard to peace. But he's saying, I'm planting something inside of you that takes care of everything else. I had an interesting discussion this week even about preaching in regard to how much to get involved in like the current events, so to speak. And yet, for me, there's an understanding we're about trying to build the interior of the person so that the exterior can be dealt with appropriately, no matter what the cause or the, the event is. And so our main energy is going to be about building what's interior in regard to the Scripture and how the Spirit works in us, knowing that it's going to have application outward, but we get this first. Get this built right, then the outward will come and our understanding of what to do in the time. It's interesting So he's telling them, I'm giving you peace. Don't get distressed. Don't lack in courage. Interesting blend with peace, right? Be courageous. (laughs) Let the peace of God reside in your hearts in a way that you come out in courageous deeds. Intriguing thought. So he goes, I've told you so now before it happens so that when it happens, you'll believe. (laughs) In the next two hours, you're going to know something crazy is going on. I'll not speak with you much longer, for the ruler of this world is coming. So he's making this declaration. Satan is taking a shot, and it's going to have an incredible outward effect. He knows he's going to die. But here's his declaration. He has no power over me. I'm just doing what the Father's commanded me. So he's going, nothing can stop what God's commanded of me and his plan. Nothing can slow that down. The enemy's going to take his best shot. You know, he knows that he's going to be put to death, and yet he's making this declaration and saying, I'm walking through this. I'm doing exactly what the Father's asked. And he knows that the Father's glory will be revealed through it, And as you and I know, the resurrection happened, and we're all excited about that because we're saying, that was amazing. It was more power than any other person has ever had. It shows the the reality of an unseen world. 
It gives us this hope of the eternal life with God. All of that's tied to the resurrection and Jesus. Yeah, the prince of this world, the ruler of this world's coming and it's and going to do his best. But he says, I am walking exactly with what the Father has asked of me. I'm going exactly where he wants me to go. I'm going to accomplish exactly what he wants me to accomplish. What an incredible concept if we could grab that for our own lives. We look at the chaos at times that comes toward us or you know, is involved in our lives, and we're going, you expect me to be peaceful in this moment? You want me to be happy now? You, you think that this is okay? In the Father, nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing can pull apart that relationship. Nothing can undo what he desires to get done. And we have the privilege of walking in that despite the outward circumstances. So he says, I'm doing just what the Father commanded me so the world may know that I love the Father. And he says, get up, let's go from here. So they're on to the garden from there. Anyway, Lord, I pray for each one here that there be a confidence in their heart that Jesus is the Son of God came in the flesh, died and rose again, showing a power of new life that no one else could display. I pray, Lord, that each one here would embrace that and would commit to a loving relationship that is obedient to the instruction of the Father through the Spirit, that the Scripture would become precious in their hearts, that they would acknowledge your way as being the true way. They would acknowledge your truth, that they would embrace life that comes from you. Help us to walk in that, we pray. Thank you for your word that speaks life to us. Amen. It seems in wanting to get to know God at times, we're looking for kind of this warm, fuzzy And certainly that sense of peace and well-being is a part of it. But the idea that love and obedience go hand in hand also means then if I do receive things from the Lord, I need to respond to that, be willing to live it out. I'd encourage you, you even in this moment, to say, God, is there something that you desire of me? And then walk it out. That's part of what we do and how we grow in Him. And yet it's crucial to our development that way. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to walk in love and obedience with you. Let your spirit dwell within them. Let there be an awareness of your guiding presence. As each one goes into the community, I ask that you give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. God bless you.